Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. First John chapter 2. We're only going to look at verse 7 and 8 today. Uh, we're in this study through the epistle of John, and uh, we know that John wrote the epistles of John. There's three letters there that he wrote, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. They're called the epistles of John. We also know that John wrote another book. Do you remember what that's called? It's called the book of? The book of John, right? Yeah, it's the gospel. He wrote the gospel of John. So he wrote the gospel of John, the book of John. He wrote the epistles of John. First, second, third John. One more book he wrote. You know what it is? The Revelation. It's the Revelation of John. Matter of fact, the reason he wrote these these books, they all have a different purpose in writing of these books. And I really want you to get this. This will help you understand the Scripture when you get in there and start reading it. And I think I have a slide for this. But I want you to know that John wrote the Gospel of John so that men would be converted. In other words, he wrote the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John, he's really just talking all about Jesus, and so that you can come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he wrote the Gospel of John that men may be converted. He wrote the epistles of John that men may be confirmed. The key verse in, in 1 John is 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13. Do you remember what that says? It says, These things I have written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting love. So the reason he wrote the epistles is to give us confirmation or give us assurance of our salvation. Now, God, listen, guys, none of, us, none, of us, none of us have to worry or fret or fear whether we're going to heaven or not when we pass. John said, I have written these things to you that believe on him that you may know that you have everlasting love, right? So you can have assurance in your salvation. You don't ever have to say, I hope so, right? You don't ever have to say, well, maybe. I can say, and I hope you can say, I know that I'm saved. I know that things are well with my soul. I know that if I were to die right now, that I would spend eternity in heaven. You say, well, yeah, but preacher, I don't know that I'm good enough. Aren't you thankful it's not based on how good you are? Aren't you thankful it's based on how good Jesus is? And aren't you thankful that He is the sinless Son of God and the only way that any of us can get into heaven is to trust Him as our personal Lord and Savior? And then the Scripture says we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So we're not standing in front of God in our own merit, weighing out our good and bad and hoping the scale tips in our favor. Right? A lot of people believe that. But that's not what our salvation is based upon. And that's what John's writing about in this epistle, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But then he wrote the Revelation of John. I love this one. That men may be, what? It's on the screen. Cheat notes, right? Cliff notes right there. That men may be comforted. I want you to talk to me. That men may be comforted. See, if you talk back to me, then I know you're awake, right? Right? So that men may be comforted. There's tremendous comfort we get by just studying and reading the Revelation of John. Tremendous comfort is brought our way. So we're looking at this passage of Scripture. 
I'm just going to read verse 7 and 8 of 1 John chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles turned there, if you have your electronic devices turned there, whatever means that, that you carry the scripture with you, turn there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 and verse 8. I'm going to camp out in verse 7. I'm going to hit verse 8 briefly and we're going to be done. But boy, there's a load in these two verses. And so we're just doing a verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 1 John. And today we're in verse or chapter number 2, verse 7 and verse number 8. He writes, he says this, Dear friends, I am not, everybody say, I am not. I am not writing you a new command. Stop right there. We need to store in our memory, in our brain, as we start reading this, that what he is about to tell us is nothing new. Okay? He's reminding us of something. Now, there's going to be a new emphasis that he's putting on it in verse number 8. But what he's about to tell us, it's not new. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command but an old command that you have had from the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. So he's reminding them of this message they've heard in verse number 8. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, you can go on down and read verse number 9. Let me read verse 9 through 11 just so we can bring it all in context. But I'm only going to be camping out in verses 7 through 8. In verse number 9, he says, The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness until now. And the one who loves his brother remains in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This old command that he is reminding us about is what I want to talk to you a little bit about this morning. And it's the test of love. If you remember, we're talking about the test of the assurance of our salvation. And last week in verses what, 4, 5, and 6, somewhere in there, we talked about the test of being obedient to the commands of Christ. And if you remember, we talked about the different stages of our spiritual maturity. We talked about obeying God because we had to. Then we talked about obeying God because we need to. And then we talked about obeying God because we want to. Okay? So there's the test of our assurance of our salvation is are we being obedient to the commands or to the word of God? The second test we find here being unfolded for us in these verses of Scripture and following is the test of love. This old command that I am reminding you of that I'm putting a new twist and emphasis on in the New Testament church. And what this new command, or this old command with a new emphasis is really all about is love. Loving one another, right? Now I'm going to talk just a, in a moment, I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. You remember when the scribe came up to Jesus and he said, Master, teacher, good teacher, great teacher. He said, what is the greatest command? You remember what Jesus said? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is likened to the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two hang all the commands of God, right? So what Jesus was teaching in the Gospels, John is reiterating to the believers that the test of the assurance of your salvation is not only a test to obey the commands of God, generally speaking, the Word of God, but now he's, he's putting a single focus on one of the commands to love one another. 
That's what we're going to be talking about briefly this morning. Let's pray. Father, we need you to speak to our hearts today. And Lord, I have, I have done my very best to prepare this message today. And I pray, God, you would help me to deliver it in the manner that you would have it delivered. God, I realize the very best that I can do is to reach the ears of those who will even listen to me today. And how I stand here in total dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God to take the words that I'm going to say and pierce our hearts. And we pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us all more like the Son of God. Father, speak to our hearts today. Draw us to Yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John is revealing for us, in the next several sections of Scripture, he is revealing to us a life, the characteristics of the life of a believer, of an individual who trusts in Christ as their Savior. So we can look at that and we can see if I really am one of those individuals. Am I obeying the commands of God? Am I obeying the, the words of God? And then we're looking at a little bit of what he's talking about, love, loving God, loving each other. He talks about being the light of the world and not being in darkness. And he talks about these several different things. But I want to drill in on, on the love that we are to be having one with another. Guys, do you realize that the Christian way of life is walking in the light of the Son of God? Right? We are to emulate the Lord Jesus Christ in how we live, how we act, how we react, things we do, things we're involved in. We should emulate the life of Christ. As a matter of fact, I have a slide for you here, and it gives you a little breakdown of the passage of Scripture. In chapter 1, in verse 5 through 7, we're talking about this Christian way of life and how it involves several different things. First of all, it involves fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers. And he unpacks that for us in chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. And then he talks about how we need to be, we need to be aware of our sin we need to be conscious of our sin, and then we need to confess our sin. And that's what he talks about in chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and this is kind of what we, we camped out in last week, we talked about this obedience that we have in our life by imitating Christ. And then the next section we're going to be talking about really starts in, in verse number 7. and goes all the way down through verse number 11, but we're going to deal with 7 and 8 today. But it really goes all the way through verse 11, is this love for the brethren. Now, a Christian, get this, a Christian who is walking in the light of the Word of God, he or she is walking in obedience to the commands of, the, of God. And if we're walking in obedience to the commands of God, the natural byproduct of doing that is that we are going to love one another. Let me say that one more time. I, I know you just didn't get it, right? Okay? If we are walking in the commands of God, in the Word of God, and being obedient to the Word of God, a natural byproduct of that is the love that we're going to show for one another. Time out. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Some may not be accustomed when to say amen or how to say amen or if it's appropriate to say amen. I'm going to give you a hint. If I pull my ear, that means I'm looking for an amen, okay? So let me say it again. If we are walking in the Word of God and obeying the commands of God and walking in the light of the Word of God, a natural byproduct of that is that we are going to love one another. Amen. Right? Yeah, 
That's good. Give yourself a hand. Good job, guys. I'm proud of you, right? Finally got it there, okay? You know, we ought to just be able to say that and leave. But I think we're going to have to drill down a little bit further in that. You see, because if I really love God, I'm not going to have a hard time loving you. Right? You say, preacher, wait a minute. There's some people that have been in and out of my life that I don't know that I really love them. You have, let me just say this. Call time out. Do you have folks that come in and out of your life that you find it very difficult to love? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. God knows, right? He knows. And I want you to know I've got my hand raised as well. Sometimes it's very challenging to love everybody. You remember last week when I shared with you that obeying the commands of God and walking in the, in the truth of the Word of God, that you cannot do that by yourself? That the only way you can do that is through the power of God that lives within you and through the Holy Spirit giving you strength to be able to do that. The same is true in loving other people. The only way that you can love other people is to live a life in total dependence on the Holy Spirit of God because I've seen them, you've seen them, I've met them, you've met them. There's some people that I just don't want to love. You're there with me. I know you are. There's some people I say, okay, God, I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> are you with me? You're there. Come on now. Let's, the only way this is going to be any good is if we get real. Okay? I, I try to just preach, just be a realist when I'm preaching. And try to put it right here in our lap today and give us something to do with it. Now, by the way, I'm going to share with you what the Word says. I'm going to give you some action steps when you leave here. Because I think at the end of every message, we need to ask, so what? What does that mean? Well, I'm going to give you what the Word says. Then I'm going to give you some action steps you can walk out of here with. Now, I hope you'll stay in tune with me till we get to the action steps. But there are some folks that are difficult to love. I know that. You know that. But that does not erase the command of God that we are to love them. Right? You with me? So a Christian who is walking in obedience is one who is walking in love. So let me say this again, maybe in a little different way. The Christian way of life is the Christian way of love. So if we're walking in the Christian way and we're following Christ, then we're going to be people who love one another. If you will, back in verse number 7, he says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you, that you have had from the beginning. The command is the message you have heard. What is he referencing? John is referencing something that's very familiar to all the born-again Jews of that day. That first century church. He is referencing something that they are very familiar with. Because he says, the command that I'm giving you today is not a new command. Matter of fact, the command that I'm giving you today is an old command. And the command that I'm giving you today, you've heard. You've got to understand something a little bit about the Jewish culture in order to maybe tie this all together. There is something that they recited. There's a passage of Scripture that they recited every single day. Matter of fact, it was a passage of Scripture that every little Jewish boy or girl, when they were being raised, the first passage of Scripture that they probably put to memory was in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. It's called the Shema. And the Shema says, you've heard this before, Love the Lord your God. With all of your heart, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Okay? 
There's no God but one. Love that God. That's what the Shema is. So what John is saying to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, with all of your strength. And then to understand where a lot of the Jews would couple another passage of Scripture with that, it's Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 18. Now write that reference down and go home and study that. We have the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5, and I'm not going to go really unpack all of this. But the Jews coupled with the Shema, Leviticus 19 and 18. Now here you'll find the Levitical law being unpacked for them, how they were to live their life. It was the practical side of living their life. But in in Leviticus 19 and 18 is where we first find the Scripture mentioned, love our neighbors as ourselves. So these two passages of Scripture were hinged or coupled together for all the Jewish believers all the way coming up to the day of John and this writing. They coupled these two together. So that's why Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel and in Mark's Gospel, when the scribe came up to him and said, Master, great teacher, what are the greatest commands? I want to keep them. I want to be obedient. I want to follow after you. What are the greatest commands that I am to do? What's the greatest commandment? And the Lord quoted to him the Shema out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said the second is, or the second is likened to the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even Jesus put those two together and said on those two passages of Scripture hangs the entire law or the entire commands of God. You see, guys, if I learn how to love God then He's going to be the only God that I love, the only God that I serve. He is a jealous God. He wants no other gods before Him, right? So if I'm loving Him, I'm obeying the first part of the Ten Commandments. And then if I'm loving my neighbor as as myself, then I'm obeying the rest of the Ten Commandments. And by the way, there are a lot more commands in the Word of God than just the Ten Commandments, by the way. You know that, right? Are you with me? So... On these two hinge all of the commands of the Word of God. Loving God and loving one another. You see, the commandment to love one another is the fulfillment of God's law. The fulfillment of God's command. Guys, let me ask you a question. Do you love each other? Are you showing love to each other? Not just your family. Sometimes we have this little selfish way of praying. We say, Lord, bless me and my four no more. Right? Sometimes all we care about is what's under my roof and forget about everybody else. That's not the Christian way of living. Right? We are to be concerned about each other. We are to love one another. And if I am going to love you, when you love people, when I love people, get this, you don't spread rumors and lies about people. When I love people and you love people, I am not talking bad about you behind your back. Right? If you love me and I love you, I am going to be honest with you. I am going to be forthcoming with you. I am going to care for you. I am not going to steal from you. I am not going to covet what you have. I am not going to manipulate you. I am not going to use you. I am not going to let you be a pawn that can help me reach my goals and then throw you away. Are you with me, guys? This whole thing of testing the assurance of our salvation, yes, we obey the commands and the Word of God. But but John is drilling down a little bit further right here, and he's saying, 
What I am writing to you is not a new command. In fact, it's an old one that you have heard many, many times. It's the Shema, love God. And Jesus said, coupled with that, as Leviticus 19, the second is likened to the first, love your neighbors as yourself. Now remember, once again, the only way we can do this is with the help of the Holy Spirit. And may I remind you that the commandment to love one another, this is not an afterthought. This is not a footnote to the Christian experience. As though God had some type of uh-oh moment and said, oh yeah, by the way, love one another. No, it's integrated in the DNA of the Christian life. Right? Are you with me, guys? Come on now. Hang in here. It's not supposed to be that heavy of a message, but I know sometimes it's difficult to love people, isn't it? Right? Are you with me, guys? Listen to what John said. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, listen to what he said. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. What's one of the tests of the assurance of our salvation? The test is, do we love our brothers? Do we love each other? That's one of the tests. Matter of fact, Jesus even said in John 13 and 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Guys, you know what the test is? By the way, and you've heard people say, oh, don't judge. You're not to judge anybody. Judge that you be not judged. And they pull that test completely out of context, and they use it to their advantage all the time. You hear it everywhere, right? You've heard that. Oh, don't judge. No. Jesus said you are to judge. You're to be a fruit inspector. You're to look around. Matter of fact, Jesus told the world, the unsaved believers in the world today, he said, I want you to judge my people to see if they truly follow after me. I want you to look inside the church, and I want you to judge if they are true born-again believers or not. And here's the test. Do they love one another? You get that, guys? Now, I didn't say that. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said that in John 13 and 35. By this, men, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So guys, it's imperative. It's, in, it's imperative that we show Christian love to one another. It's imperative that we go the extra mile to let each other know that we love one another. I'm not talking about just people that are members of Victory Church. I'm talking about especially everyone that's a member of the family of God, everyone that has trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We're to go the extra mile to show that we love them. But they were also to love the unsaved. I mean, what drives us to spread and share the gospel is the love that we have for all people. Right? Because let me tell you something. Jesus didn't die for me after I was saved. He died for me before I was saved. And if you knew the person I was before I was saved, you would not want to even spend any time with me. Because I was a nasty person. By the way, we all were. Right? And I thank God I'm not what I used to be. Right? Are you all with me today? You say, well, matter of fact, I mean, I'll leave that thought aside. I want to go to Romans 13. Here's another New Testament parallel scripture. Romans 13, verse 8 through verse number 10. Paul's writing here, and he says to the Christians in Rome, he says, Do not owe anyone anything except... To love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment are all summed up by this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. 
Now, guys, you know as well as I do, by nature, we're going to talk about these two natures and how there's the nature of walking in the light and the nature of walking in darkness, and we're going to get more into that next week. But the nature of an unsaved person is a nature of selfishness and being hateful and being mean-spirited. That's the nature. Now, not all unsaved people are like that, but that's the nature that unsaved people have, right? Whenever we trust Christ as our personal Savior, we now have a new nature. We're walking in the newness of life. We're walking after Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, Tyler and Heather had their little baby girl this week. And you guys probably saw that on Facebook. A little healthy girl. I was looking for them this morning. I didn't know if they were here or not. But uh, seven pounds something, Addison is her name, and beautiful baby girl. But guys, do you realize, and all these babies that are coming into the church now, do you realize as beautiful as they are and as innocent as they look, that's the most manipulating, most self-centered, most selfish individual on the face of the earth. Right? Every newborn baby, every child has to be taught how to love. Has to be taught that life is not all about you. Right? Right? I mean, those babies, they cry and carry on. And you've heard me give this illustration before. I mean, when our kids were little and, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, they wake up screaming and crying. And you think, you think the world's coming to an end. And you fly in there and you, you get to them. And as soon as you get to the crib and look up, they just look at you and smile. There wasn't anything wrong with that child, right? Right? The point is, we are all born with this sinful nature. We have to grow to the place we realize we need a new nature. And the only way we can get that new nature is through the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? So let me just get down here. I think you get the gist of what I'm trying to say today. I want to jump down a little bit further in my message here and, and, and leave some of that behind that I was going to share with you. But I want to talk briefly about the meaning of Christian love. And I want, to, I want to just say this. Loving one another is not some shallow, sentimental emotion. It's not some fake smile and some fake hug and saying I love you and walking out the door. It, it's completely different than that. Okay? It's not some... Here's what I want you to get. Loving one another is a matter of the will. And it's not a matter of, if you will, the emotion of affection, right? It's a matter of the will. You need to write this down. True Christian love is a matter of the will. And by the way, we have been commanded to love one another, right? God will never command us to do anything that we cannot will to do. Let that sink in. He will never command us to do anything that we cannot will to do. Right? I've heard, uh, and I've, through the years, done a, a tremendous amount of marriage counseling with husbands and wives, and they're fussing and arguing, and sometimes on the brink of divorce. And, and they walk in my office sometimes, and they say, well, I just don't love him or her anymore. I've fallen out of love. Listen, you don't fall in love or fall out of love. That's so shallow. You choose to love someone. Right? And if you can choose to love them, then there may come a day where you choose not to love them, but don't come giving me some hogwash about how you fell out of love. You don't fall out of love. You choose not to love any longer. Are you all with me today? The same thing is true when it comes to loving one another. 
You say, well, I just don't, I just don't, you know, we just don't, we, it just never clicked with us. That's not acceptable in the family of God. Well, they're just not my socioeconomic status, and they're kind of not, they don't have the background that I have, and, and that's just not my circle that I run with. You don't have that choice and that decision in the family of God. That's why I say that Victory Church is a church where everybody is somebody. Amen? There's no big eyes and little U's around here, right? Oh, let me hold on right here. I can, I, listen, I've been here for 15 years. My wife and I started this church 15 years ago, going on 16 years now in March. I've seen a lot of people come and go with a lot of different ulterior motives and, and, and ideas and how they're going to do things and what have you. I've had folks walk in my church and, or walk in my office and tell me, do you know how much I tithe? And be honest with them, I didn't at that point because I just choose not to look at that unless I absolutely have to look at the tithing report. Do you know how much I tithe? Listen, I don't care how much you tithe. Now, should we tithe? Yes. But I'm not going to make an exception for someone that I won't make for someone else, right, simply because it's tied into how much money they give or don't give. We're just going to stay true to the Word of God. If God's Word says do that, we're going to do that. If it says don't do that, we don't do that, right? It doesn't matter what your social status may be. It doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It doesn't matter what type of an education you have. And let me just say this. I love our military, and I want our church to be a church that ministers and serves our military families. But when you walk in the doors of this church, I don't care how many stripes you have on your arm. Right? This is the church. Are you with me, guys? We are to love one another, regardless of your background, regardless of your stripes, regardless of your career, regardless of how much money you have in the bank. Are you getting the, are you getting the message today? The test that we know that we have the assurance of our salvation is loving one another. I think enough's been said. Let me give you the action steps, and I'm done. Here, here are five action steps that, that I want you to get a hold of, Okay? These are some things that we can do to show our love one to another. Now, here's what I want us to practice. This is how we can put the message into practice. We, we can walk out of here today, and we can start doing these. Now, you may think of many more, and there are many, many more. But here's just five to get us started, okay? That's all this is. It's just something to get us started. How do we show our love to each other? Well, number one... By sticking with someone through those tough and difficult moments and times that may, they may be going through. Listen, we all have different seasons of life, right? We have those times where we're on the mountaintop and, you know, everything's good and we're just, everything's okay. But then we have those moments and those seasons in our life where we're going through the valleys and it's hard and it's difficult. And what we need to do as Christians and brothers and sisters, especially in the, in the family of Victory Church family, we need to be aware when someone may be going through a difficult time, and we need to let them know, hey, we're there with you, right? And here's a saying I used to say years ago, and I've probably gotten away from it somewhat, but I used to tell every member that joined our church, listen, if there's taters on our table, there's taters on your table. What I meant by that, if, there, if you need something, let me know. Hey, my house and my, my pantry and everything I have is open to you. Because we're going to stick with you. Right? Are you with me, guys? Here's some action steps. Sticking with someone through the tough and through the difficult times. Here's another one. Adjusting to others. Guys, do you realize? Don't you look around. Don't you look at your neighbor right beside you. Look, look around. Now look at the other side. Look, look around. Did you notice? 
They are not just like you. And you know what? That's okay. There are going to be, be people walking and out of the family of God and out of the doors of Victory Church, and they're not going to have the same background we have. They're not going to be exactly like us. We, we may not enjoy the same hobbies. We may have different interests. We, we may dress different. That's okay. Someone asked me one time, what is the dress code in Victory Church? The dress code is modesty. Right? That's the dress code. Because that's all I can get out of Scripture is modesty. I go in some churches and the dress code is you have to wear a suit and tie and ladies have to wear a dress. And some, some churches believe that ladies cannot wear makeup and, and, and on and on. And it just goes on and on and on. Listen, I really am not going to get hung up in what you wear. But it should be modest. That's what the scripture teaches. So my point is this. Adjust to other people. And realize there's people from all different walks of life, from different races, from different backgrounds, from different educational backgrounds, from... You get what I'm saying? From different parts of the country, possibly even different parts of the world. That's okay. Let's all gather together around the Word of God, in the family of God, and let's love each other. That's why, listen, can I, can I say this and be okay with this? I hope so. I don't want us to be an all-white church or an all-black church or an all-Asian church. I want us to be a church of all people coming together around the Word of God and worshiping and serving God, regardless of what your background may be or your race may be. Right? Yeah. So we need to adjust. It's okay. It's okay. Adjust. Another thing is reaching beyond your comfort zone. Some folks say, well, I'm just an introvert. I just don't mingle much. Well, you need to mingle. Right? I just don't get out of the house. You need to get out of the house. Right? And I'm talking about getting out of your comfort zone to show your love one to another in the church. And whatever that looks like, and whatever opportunity presents itself, if we have to get out of our comfort zone, let's get out of it. The, the fourth one, offering encouraging words or advice. I mean, have you ever been going through a difficult time and somebody knows you're going through a difficult time and, and you receive a phone call or a text or, or a private message or a letter or a card or something in the mail and it's just them encouraging you? Man, I've had that. I've had seasons in my life where I'm struggling and I've had individuals speak into my life and give me words of encouragement or, or pray with me and encourage me and talk with me. And Man, I, we need that. Right? So offer. Be aware of that. And then the last one, this is just a few I put up. There's many more. Putting the needs of others above your own needs. Looking around and seeing what the needs of other people may be. And stepping in to meet those needs. Now, here, here's the mistake that some people make. They're out there, they're in the church, they're in the church family, and, and, and they, they discover a need. Maybe they discover a need in a particular family, and, and, and they're well aware of what that need is, and, 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 and they may even be able to meet that need. But most of the, sometimes, not all the times, but, but sometimes they'll, they'll call the church and say, Hey, I need to speak with a preacher. And they call me up and say, hey, there's a need over here, and I thought maybe the church or you need to go over there and meet that need for so-and-so. I say, well, who told you about that need? Well, I just discovered it. Well, how did you discover it? Well, I was talking with them. Well, who laid this on your heart? Well, I feel like the Lord laid it on my heart. Well, I said, well, I feel like the Lord wants you to do something about it. <laughs> right? You see, we kept pushing off on somebody else to meet that need. Now, if it's a if it's need too great that you need some help, then by all means, let the church know. Let's get in there and do it. But there are a lot of things that we can just do for other people. And you don't have to come and tell everybody that you, let everybody that you did it. Right? Just meet the need. Are you with me, guys? 
action step. Learning how to love one another. I love 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Guys, let's love one another, right? I believe that's the message that we're getting here in these two verses of Scripture. And the emphasis is the emphasis that John is writing about in verse number 8 of this old command with a new emphasis is now in the church. Love one another. Love the brethren. That is one of the tests of the assurance of our salvation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time together today and for your word. And, and we just ask your blessings on your word today. And, and God, there may be some here that struggle in this area. And God, I know that as we live life and we, we're in and out of relationships, sometimes it gets difficult to love people. Sometimes our hearts get, get hardened. To people. And God, help us not to do that. Help us, God, to still return to that first love that we have for you. And help us, God, to still continue to trust people and to love people and to reach out to people and to show folks that we love one another. God, I pray today if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that right now today, that they would trust you as their Savior. It begins with a relationship with you. God, the only way that we can show love to one another is to have you in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we need you. We need you to minister through us. We need to die out to the old man, the old woman, the old boy, the old girl, the old person. We need to walk in the newness of life and the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask you to give us the strength that we need to reach across the aisles and minister and love one another. God, if there's one here today that needs to trust in you as their personal Savior, I just pray they'd pray a prayer, something like this. and Just say, dear God, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need you. Father, right now I confess my sin to you and I repent of it and I pray, God, you forgive me. I believe you, Jesus, are the Son of God, that you've lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross for my sins, you were buried, you rose again. And God, I believe that. And right now I want to trust you as my Savior and I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. Save me. Live within me. Give me strength to live this Christian life. Father, I pray for the one that may have prayed that prayer this morning, that you give them assurance of their salvation. Give them peace that passes all understanding. Let them know without a shadow of a doubt that, that you have written their name in the Lamb's book of life. God, that you have saved them. God, I pray today now for the one that may already be a believer but has struggled in this area of loving other believers. Father, I just pray even now for that individual. And if that's you, maybe you need to pray a prayer, something like this. I'll help you. Just pray, dear God, I've trusted you as my Savior, and, but this message hit home with me. 
And I've been hurt in ministry and I've been hurt in the church. And, and I've gotten hard and cold towards loving one another. And Father, I pray that you forgive me. I ask you, Lord, that you give me strength to put the pain, the hurt behind and to walk in the newness of Christ and to love as you have commanded us to love. To minister one to another as you have commanded us to serve and minister one to another. Father, help me in my walk. Help me to live out some of these action steps. Help me to be aware of opportunities that you give me every single day to reach out and show my love one to another. Restore me unto yourself. Forgive me of my faults and my failures. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. Wash me in your blood. Restore me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for all these different prayers that may have been prayed this morning, we just submit them all to you. and We just ask God that you meet every need in every heart today. God, sometimes I know it gets hard. When the hurt is there, sometimes it's difficult to move past that. And God, we cannot do that without your help. Father, we need you today to speak to us and to minister and serve and love through us. We yield our bodies as vessels unto you. Use us for your kingdom work. And may the world outside the church be able to look into the church, specifically look into Victory Church, and see that, oh no, we are not perfect people by any means. But we are a people that strive to love and care for one another. Father, bless our congregation. Bless our people. Grow us in your word. Mature us in our faith in you. Help us to live out some of these Christian disciplines of loving one another. We'll give you the honor and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.